Chapter Fifty One of the Mystery of the Ravenspurs by Fred M. White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifty One. What does this mean? With less courage than she usually felt, Marion went on her way. Perhaps there was no more miserable being in England at that moment. It is hard to play a double part hard to be thrust one way by cruel circumstances when the heart and soul are crying out to go the other. This was Marion's position, and whichever way she went she was destined to be equally unhappy and miserable. She had to help her relations, she had to try to shield that infamous woman at the same time. And now the great secret of her life had come to light. That was the bitterest trial of all. Vera had discovered that Marion loved Geoffrey. Ralph Ravenspur had made the same discovery long ago, but it did not matter so very much about him. Vera was different. And here she was in the dead of night carrying out the errand of the deadliest foe the house of Ravenspur had ever known. She was half inclined to throw the whole thing to the winds, to disappear and never return again. Why should she... She stopped. Something was stirring in the bushes on either side of her. Perhaps it was a rabbit or a fox. Probably somebody had dogged her footsteps. Who are you? Marion cried. Speak, or I call for help. The threat was futile, considering the time of night. The bushes parted, and two men appeared. Marion gave one loud scream, but before she could repeat the cry, a hand was laid on her lips. Whoever they were, they were not unduly rough. The hand that stayed further clamor was hard, but it was not cruel. "'You are not to cry out again,' a voice whispered. "'I will not injure you if you promise not to call out.' Marion indicated that she would comply with this suggestion. Immediately the hand fell from her lips. "'This is an outrage,' she said. "'Who are you?' "'That is beside the point,' was the reply. "'It is an outrage, but we are not going to treat you badly. We are unfortunately compelled to keep you for some four-and-twenty hours from the custody of your friends.' but you may rest assured that you will be treated with every consideration. "'I am your prisoner, then?' "'Since you like to put it that way, yes.' Marion was properly indignant. She pointed out that the course these men were pursuing was a criminal one, and that it was likely to lead them into trouble. But she might have been speaking to the winds. If she could only see these people! She had not the remotest idea what they were like. The man who spoke was evidently a gentleman. His companion seemed like a working man, a sailor by his walk. And yet it was impossible to see the faces of either. "'Where are you going to take me?' Marion asked. "'We are going to conduct you to one of the caves,' was the reply. "'Unfortunately, no house is available for our purpose, 
or we should not put you to this inconvenience. But we have made every preparation for your comfort, and you are not likely to suffer for want of food or anything of that kind. And I pledge you my word of honor that you shall not be detained a minute beyond the specified time. He touched Marion on the arm to indicate a forward movement. "'I suppose it is of no use to ask your name,' Marion said coldly. "'I have no objection,' said the other. "'The time is coming when it will be necessary to speak very plainly indeed. "'My name is George Abel, and I am secretary to Dr. Sergius Trigorsky. "'My friend's name is Elphick. "'He was at one time a servant in the employ of one of your family.' Chigorsky, Marion cried, but he is dead. That seems to be the popular impression, Abel said gravely. The words appeared to strike a chill in Marion. She began to comprehend that all her sacrifices had been made in vain. Chigorsky not dead? she said hoarsely. No, said Abel. I saw him a little time ago. It will perhaps not surprise you to hear that I am acting under his orders. But he could not know that I... Dr. Chigorsky seems to divine matters. He seems to know what people will do almost by instinct. He is a wonderful man and does wonderful things, but I cannot tell you any more. I am merely acting under orders." He indicated the way, and Marion proceeded without further protest. She felt like a condemned criminal when the sentence is pronounced. Certain things were coming to an end. A long period of suspense and anxiety was nearly finished. How it was going to end, Marion neither knew nor cared. But she did know that the woman who was known as Mrs. May was doomed. Not another word passed until the foot of the cliffs was reached. It was no easy matter to get down in the dark, but it was managed at length. It was near the lonely spot where Geoffrey's stranded boat had been found. For days together nobody came here, and Marion could not console herself with the fact that she would be rescued. Not that she much cared. Indeed, it was a matter of indifference to her what happened. Abel was polite and attentive. He indicated a pile of rugs and wraps. If Miss Ravenspur wanted anything, she had only to call out and it would be supplied immediately. "'I wanted nothing but to rest,' Marion said wearily. "'I am tired out. I feel as if I could sleep for a thousand years. I am so exhausted mentally that I have no astonishment to find myself in this strange situation." Abel bowed and retired. The night was warm and the cave, being above any, even the high spring tides, was dry. Marion flung herself down upon the pile of wraps and almost at once fell fast asleep. When she came to herself again, the sun was shining high. Outside, a bell was pacing the sands. 
Marion called to him. "'I want some breakfast,' she said. "'And then I should like to have a talk with you. "'If only I had a looking-glass.' "'You don't need one,' Abel said respectfully, if admiringly. "'Still, that has been thought of. "'There is a looking-glass in the corner.' Marion smiled despite herself. She found the glass and propped it up before her. There was no cause for alarm. She looked as neat and fresh as if she had just made a due and elaborate toilet. Geoffrey was fond of saying that, after a football match, Marion would have remained as neat and tidy as ever. She ate her breakfast heartily, good tea with eggs, and bread and butter and strawberries. "'Do you want anything more?' asked Abel, looking in. "'Nothing, except my liberty,' Marion replied. "'You may come in and smoke if you like. How long are you going to detain me here?' Four and twenty hours. "'But I shall be missed. They will search for me. By this time, of course, they are hunting all over the place for me. They will come here.' "'I think not,' Abel said politely. It is too near home. Nobody would dream of looking for you in a cave close to the castle. We thought of all that. They will not look for you for other reasons. Marion glanced swiftly at the speaker. How could you prevent them? she demanded. Abel puffed airily at his cigarette. He smiled pleasantly. "'There are many ways,' he said. "'You do not come down to breakfast. "'They begin to be alarmed at your absence. "'Somebody goes to your room and finds there a note addressed to your grandfather. "'That note is apparently in your handwriting. "'It contains a few lines to the effect that you have made a great discovery. "'You have gone at once to follow it up.' The family are not to be alarmed if you do not return till very late. When you come back, you hope to have a joyful revelation for everybody. Marion smiled in reply. Abel seemed to be so sure of his ground. "'What you outline means forgery,' she said. "'So I presume,' Abel replied coolly. But forgery is so simple nowadays with the aid of the camera. After what I have told you, you will be able to see that our scheme has been thoughtfully worked out. And when I come back, do I bring a joyful confession with me? Abel looked steadily at the speaker. There was something in the expression of his eyes that caused her to drop hers. "'That depends entirely upon yourself,' he murmured. "'One thing you may rely upon. "'The confession will be made and the clouds rolled away. "'It is only a matter of hours now. "'Surely you do not need to be told why you are detained.' "'For some reason best known to herself, "'Marion did not need to be told. "'It was a long time before she spoke again.' 
she ought to have been angry with this man she ought to have turned from him with indignation but she did nothing of the kind and if she had her indignation would have been wasted you are in dr tchigorsky's confidence she asked abel shook his head with a smile i know a great deal about him he said i help him in his experiments but as to being in his confidence no i don't suppose any man in the world enjoys that unless it is your uncle ralph marion started in that moment many things became clear to her hitherto she had regarded ralph ravenspur as anything but a man to be dreaded or feared now she knew better why had she not thought of this before they are great friends she said oh yes they have been all over the world together and they have been in places which they do not mention to anybody end of chapter fifty one